Hi, it's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. A part of my identity is being an adoptee, being separated at birth from my original family and placed into foster care for two years before being adopted has significantly impacted how I see my place in the world. After connecting with the adoption community over a decade ago, I recognized the added value adoptees bring to a conversation about adoption. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? I've known my next guest for several years. We met in Denver, Colorado, San Francisco, and Atlanta for the annual AAC conference, as in American Adoption Congress. I found him to be passionate about being connected to the adoption community, and I often see him via Zoom in support of other adoptees. When he joined the first cohort and then the second cohort of the Adoptee Voices writing group, I was excited to hear him share his words each week. And when he gives feedback and comments to the other writers, it is with much thoughtfulness. I find myself nodding my head and thinking, that was good. He recently published an essay in the e-zine, so I recommend that you check it out. He was born and adopted in Canada and moved to the U.S. at 21 years of age and currently resides in a place on my short list to visit, Austin, Texas. Allow me to introduce you to someone I find to be compassionate and empathetic. His kindness and thoughtfulness is like a breath of fresh air. I invite you to, at this time, take a listen to my conversation with Darren. Darren, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jennifer? I'm doing well, too. Yes, and I'm just glad you want to do a conversation with me. I really appreciate it. It's a privilege to hear from you. You have so much to say in the adoption community that's so helpful and beneficial for for all of us. So why don't we just jump right in, and wherever you want to start, I'd love for you to share your adoption story at least a part of it <laughs> okay when i when i turned 24 my adoptive mom gave me a copy of journey of the adopted self by betty jean Weston, and that's considered one of the classic books on adoption it was really great support by her but um, i was too scared to even read the book and i uh, she wrote inside the inside cover, and um, I didn't even read start reading the book until I turned 25. And once I did start reading the book by Betty Jean Lifton, I started to identify with so many things in the book. So I I knew right then I wanted to start searching. That was in July of 1995. And the next month, I wrote to the Alberta government for their vital statistics. And 
I was able to get my identifying information. They changed the laws that spring where if you were born within a certain period, then you could get your identifying information. And fortunately, I fell into that time period. Uh, I was born in 1970. And less than two months later, I picked up an envelope in the mail. It was a Monday night on October 2nd, uh, 1995. And I was going to a search and reunion meeting with Adoption Knowledge Affiliates in Austin, Texas. That's a local nonprofit group that does education and other um, services for adoptees and other members of the adoption triad. And uh, I gave the information to a search angel. Her name was Dee. And she said she would put on the my information on the internet on some search sites. And I didn't think it would be very successful. I didn't really know much about the internet. But I got a call later in the week. And that weekend, someone had picked up my information and had found my birth mother. And so that Monday night, I, got, I spoke to the search angel in... Uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, and his name was Roy Kading, and he told me he had left a message for my birth mother, and he was waiting to hear back from her. He couldn't give me the information or her information without talking to her first, but he said, don't get your hopes up, and I was really kind of nervous. I didn't know what to do and if she would call. So I I called my therapist, who was also an adoptee, and talked to her. And it was about 9 o'clock. I was making dinner, and the phone rang. And my birth mother called, and she said, this is your real mother. And I started freaking out, and I said, oh, my God, oh, my God, several times. And we we talked for about 90 minutes on that phone call. Uh, She told me who my birth father was and the circumstances why I was given up for adoption. And it was was a very emotional call. And afterwards, my roommate had come home and they told her what happened. And so then I called my dad and told him what happened. And he said, well, that's wonderful. I'll tell your mom she's sleeping right now and I'll tell her tomorrow. And my parents were very happy and I was able to find my birth mother. So we started to write letters and send pictures and neither of us had email. So we, we were sending fax messages (laughs) to each other almost daily. Now that really takes me back when you say fax. And I just want to like go back a little bit because there are three important things you said that I really want listeners to remember so far Mm because you're 25 years old Mm -hmm. and number one Betty Jean Lifton her book you read that one of her books because I've read Twice Born which was life-changing for me so I can only imagine once you read the other one or another Mm -hmm. one by her that how impactful it was and then the second thing was adoption knowledge affiliates Uh, yes that's a, a a very 
important part to your story too. The the people I met at the first meeting were two of the founders, Nancy Johnson and Bob Pennybacker. Okay. And they were two of the founding members of of Adoption Knowledge Affiliates. Okay, yeah, I just want to shout out to them because I know they're doing amazing work. And then the third thing you said was therapy. The therapist I went to, she did uh, regression therapy. Her name was Coletta. And actually, before I started searching for my birth mother, I, I did one of my sessions I did I regress back to when I was conceived and then up to when I was born and then taken to foster care. And I could feel everything and experience everything that happened at different points of when I was in my mother's womb and then taken to foster care. And it was a very powerful session. And the really weird thing about it is that session happened on my birth mother's 40th birthday. And I had not even started searching for her. It was more than a year before I began my search. So okay. it was really interesting timing on that, mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to break your stride in, in telling your story. No, but okay, I just really, those were three things that stuck out to me. So yes, go ahead and continue. Yeah, and the next day after work, um, I I just I had so many emotions come up, and I also had a lot of grief and anger come up as well because my experience uh, once you speak to your to your maternal mother and and you hear their voice for the first time as an adult, it really brings you back to the time you were in contact with them as a as when you were in the womb because you did spend nine months or however long you were um before you were born with with that person and your body remembers that Mm -hmm. and up up until that point I was very shut down emotionally and so I would I would have bouts of grief or crying that would just pop up at any time and I had to learn to process that. I would talk to my birth mother every Sunday on the phone and then I mentioned to her maybe about going up there for Christmas and New Year's. So I used to watch a lot of talk shows that had reunions on TV and I would cry every time I saw that because I wanted to have that same experience to meet my birth mother and family. So we, we did arrange she talked to her family, and they were supportive of that. So I I did fly up there on December 21st, and my birth mother picked me up at the airport. And then we, we stayed at a hotel in adjoining rooms and just kind of got to know each other. And it was it was really nice time to, to ourselves. And the next day, we drove to... The city she lived in, which was a couple hours south of Calgary, Alberta, and on the way there, I, I felt a lot of, at one point, I felt a lot of fear and grief, and so I put my, she was driving, and I put my head down on her lap, and I just started crying, and kind of released that, and it was comforting that she was okay with that at the time, and we we got to the city where she lived, and 
got to their house and I met my brothers and, and her husband and it, it was nice. He was a bit apprehensive because he could tell that she and I had a deep connection and and I, looking back, I could see that would be difficult for any spouse of a birth parent to to feel safe and and it's it's uncharted territory for everybody. Did he know of your existence, her husband? Yes, he knew. He he knew before they when they met, and my brothers did not know. Uh, she decided not to tell them because she she felt they would talking about it would bother her husband, and it was also hard for her to talk about. Mm-hmm. So I I was a surprise to my brothers and some of her siblings as well. You know, there's not much that one can really do about that. She did tell the adoption agency or where I was relinquished that she wanted me to be told that I was adopted, whoever adopted me. And my parents told me early on, I can remember being three years old and asking my parents to tell me the story how how they picked me up at the adoption agency and so I, I always was kind of enthralled by that story yeah it sounds like your adoptive parents were very supportive too of you wanting to be in reunion yeah they they were when i was 6 years old they i had some questions so they took me to the town i was born and we drove by the hospital where I was born and then I we went to a department store and I bought a little panda teddy bear kind of as a souvenir and after that I didn't really have many questions but once when my parents moved to Texas in 1990 my my mom said that if I wanted to search they would be supportive and help me and I was 18 or 19 at the time and I didn't really feel it was the right time to to search and I was not in a good place to to do the searching then so the fact that my mom got me Betty Jean Lifton's book was very supportive and and I was really grateful that that she gave me that book and I still have it Mm. so you're in reunion with your birth mother your maternal side and at some mm-hmm. point, you do you talk to her about your paternal side, or do you do that on your own to be in reunion? She she wrote him shortly after I found him, found her, and they're actually third cousins. And he never responded to her, and I wrote him a couple of times over the years, the first couple of years, and he he never replied. But back in 2009, uh, I just decided I wanted to, I I knew I had three brothers on my paternal side, and I decided I wanted to reach out. And so I found the three brothers on Facebook, and I I chose one of them, my brother Aaron, and I sent him a friend request. And he replied with, you know, how do we know each other? And so I... I had to tell him the story about my birth mother and his, our shared father and what happened. And 
it was kind of scary to tell him the, the truth and be vulnerable because I was afraid of rejection from him. But he he did accept my friend request. And a couple of days later, he wrote back and said, well, there's, you know, some crazy things that have happened in the family. And this is in, beyond the realm of possibility. And he welcomed me into the family. And we met a couple of years later in person uh, for about three hours, and it was really wonderful. But uh, I had a really good connection with him. He and I thought similar ways, and it was it was a really nice experience. And we still have uh, contact to this day. And I've only met him four times in person in my life, but each time I'm around my brother Aaron, I feel like a sense of uh, belonging and I, I feel just safe around him. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. You know, like when you talk about Aaron, I get the sense that there, there will often be relationships that we have that are worth the search, even if don't have like the relationship with the birth parent in reunion, um, a sibling mm-hmm. in particular can be very nice. Yeah, yeah, it it can be because often there's not a lot of uh, history and and unresolved issues that are around mm-hmm. uh, between siblings that can be there with uh, birth parents. So it, it it is refreshing and and really a really good thing when when to connect with siblings and have that you know, similar connections and, and just looking at each other or, you know, talking similar senses of humor, things like that. And, and that's, that can be very rewarding, at least from my experience. Now you mentioned that you knew you had three brothers. How did you know that? My birth mother told me. Okay. And when I, a couple of years after I found my birth mother. She she told me that there had been an accident involving one of my brothers or a couple of my brothers, but she didn't know the whole details. And th- there was a car accident and near the farm where they lived, and Aaron told me about it. And I, I wasn't really, when I heard about it initially, I wasn't really in a place to, to reach out because I... I I didn't know what had happened, but I just didn't want to put any more on their plate with what happened. But I I do have another brother that is a couple years older than Aaron. And we, there was a a younger brother named, but he, he passed away a few years ago and I was not able to meet him. And I, I still haven't met my birth father, and that's that's his choice. I have met an aunt and uncle and a few other relatives on my paternal side, and I have really good uh, relationships with them, even though it's long distance. That's good, yeah. So you have done so much great work in the adoption community, and you're so connected and and give so much of your time. Do you want to talk a little bit about that part of of your life? Yeah, that I would. 
So back in 2019, I, I started, uh, I became a life coach and I started a company called Adoption Reunion Coaching. And uh, I, I assist adoptees on their reunions, not necessarily the searching, but more of their, their own thought work and mindset on, on reunions because knowing from my experience and reading hundreds of other stories from adoptees that there's so many things that can go wrong or throw a, you know, kind of a curveball in reunion Mm -hmm. because a lot of uh, adoptees go in without really having a strategy and there's always fear of rejection. And, and sometimes the, the reunion may start off really well and then it, something happens and, they lose contact or they can be rejected again or, or ghosted by birth parents or siblings. And it's really, it can be a challenge to work through for, for adoptees. Sure. Yeah. Search and reunion is probably one of my favorite topics because mm-hmm. I do get people that reach out to me who are ambivalent about searching and just kind of want some guidance or want to hear from other adoptees who've been down that that road and so what you're offering is just fantastic and so needed yeah I'm glad to know you're doing that work thank you yeah you have a a huge space on social media when it comes to that so is that the best way for them to reach you they can reach me on Facebook or Instagram I have adoptionreuniongcoaching.com is my website and also a Facebook page for that. And I also have a blog called The Adoptee Mind that I started recently. I did back in December of 2020, I, I started to document my reunion my, with my maternal family from 25 years previously. And so I did that for about three weeks and um, I was fairly open about my experience and just wanted to shed some light on, on reunions, how they can go and things I might do differently if, with experience and hindsight. Can you give us like one thing that's at the top of the list that you would do differently, that you would share with other adoptees that are embarking upon uh, a search and an initial <clears throat> reunion? I think, first of all, it's important to have a support system and also to write in a journal to help process your thoughts and feelings. And when I work with clients, I teach them how to do that, how I was taught to do it. There's a lot of different things. Uh, I practice centering prayer, which is kind of a way to get into your authentic self and let go of your disease ego and your false self. And uh, writing in a journal is is extremely helpful because we each person they go through has about sixty thousand thoughts a day on average, and about eighty percent of them are negative. And so we we have a lot of oh, that's a lot, eighty yeah. <laughs> percent. I didn't know that. Ooh. Yeah, we have a lot of negative thinking that we yeah. have to kind of sift through every day just to 
to become aware of and, and let go of mm-hmm. before we can do our own creative thinking on what what is what we really want to do with reunion or anything in our lives. Do you think that and, journaling should be like daily or? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it, it, the more you, the more often you do it, then you, you just build up that that momentum, and and you learn to start thinking from a different mindset. And and that's what I also work on with with my clients as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see where that would be. Definitely a great tool in our box. I know I journal. I've been journaling a long time, mm-hmm. um, too. So I know it, it's very helpful to me. Well, I, uh, I know that you have found tremendous value in being connected to the adoption community. Um, what would you say is probably the most important thing? I think the most important thing is to know that you're not alone and as much as we as adoptees as we want to have connection not all do but we want to have answers and connection sometimes we don't get that from our our maternal or paternal families and we we can still have healthy productive and happy lives even if we are rejected um, by our our families or if the reunion doesn't turn out as we had hoped. And there, there's always a different way that we can look at things from our thinking. And we don't have to stay stuck in feeling abandoned or rejected throughout our lives. I know being an adoptee, is, there are challenges uh, based on what we go through, but those are also circumstances that we we don't have to make our entire lives about and i i see every day on on facebook because i'm in a lot of adoptee groups that people struggle with their thinking and i i want to be able to help as many adoptees as i can with coaching and, and teaching them different ways of thinking and and uh, living our lives absolutely i'll be sure and include in the show notes, you know, the website and how people can reach you and your recommendations. For people who are new to the community, right now I'm particularly thinking of males who mm-hmm. don't show up as, as often as females. Is there anything that, that you would suggest if they're a little hesitant about being a part of the community? The I, I think it's... It, I, I know it can be vulnerable and a little scary to open up about your story and and share, but it's the support that you get within the adoptee community is very invaluable. The first few months after my reunion, I kind of withdrew and fell into depression. And after about six months, I finally found a, a different therapist and worked with him for several years. And but I found just being around other adoptees that get get it being an adoptee and what we have experienced is just invaluable. And you don't have to do it alone. Very good. Yes. You don't have to do it alone. You're not alone. The uh, community is there to support one another. 
And something that mm-hmm. has really come to me recently is the fact that it may it may be a particular group, you know, a particular podcast, a particular something within the community that's a good fit. And so you just keep looking until you find it because it's most likely there what feels yeah. really good for you and and so yeah cuz it's not one size fits all in the community i don't think uh, and that's okay mm-hmm. but there's plenty of room and you can find what's uh, what's best for you yeah exactly and and some there's so many different aspects to adoption and types of adoption if you're born in overseas and it could be in uh, transnational transracial adoption late discovery adoptees and those are adoptees that find out as adults that they were adopted it really pushes my buttons because it's it's such a unnecessary dynamic Mm -hmm. that they not be told the, the truth about where they came from and because it, it can be so damaging to them once they discover that they are adopted and they've kind of been living a lie their whole life. I like how you put that. Yes, yeah, like an unnecessary layer. So I, mm-hmm. I get that too. I guess we can wrap it up. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you would like to share in closing? Sometimes in reunion, even if you do the searching, it, it may not turn out. And I, I think it's important that each adoptee looks at the, the situation and evaluate, is, is it worth continuing relationships with your maternal or paternal family if it's not healthy for you? And my, my reunion, we had a lot of ups and downs, my birth mother and I, and I went through several second rejections. and. And it finally got to the point after 20 years, I decided I didn't want to continue contact with my birth mother for various reasons. But I realized my own serenity and peace was more important than anything at this point in my life. And so if adoptees are struggling with with what to do with relationships in their reunion, I invite them to reach out to me we can have a conversation on zoom and just talk about it and see what would be the best course of action to go for them thank you thank you so much for sharing that and i just appreciate you taking the time to have a conversation with me today well thank you i I really appreciate you and and all the work you do and i really enjoy your podcast it's very helpful for adoptees and and others that listen because it's it's important to for adoptees to be heard and not be uh, dismissed or minimized. Darren has helped so many adoptees, especially men who are often, if not always, outnumbered in the community. It doesn't surprise me that he uses his wealth of experience to assist many more people through his coaching services for those navigating search and reunion. 
Darren's longevity and reunion and connection to the adoption community makes him an excellent go-to person for guidance. He's the type of guy who leads you in the right direction, even if he doesn't have the answer. I'm so glad Darren wanted to have a conversation with me about his journey and share how his efforts in the community are positively impacting all of us, where so few male adoptees are visible. In the show notes, you can learn how to reach Darren and take full advantage of his services as a resource to the entire constellation. Thank you, Darren, for taking the time to have a conversation. Remember to always look at the show notes of each episode for more information about our guest. If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow and or give a five-star rating so others can find it too. During the course of your day, I hope you will tell at least one friend or someone who you believe might find value in it because word of mouth is the best way for me to grow the show. Remember to share this podcast on social media to spread the word. Hashtag Adoptee Land. Thank you for being here.